listening to Nexus Global APM on air, where we bring our listeners the connection between excellence and knowledge. I'm Larry Olson. I'm your host for this session of APM on air. Today's guest is from Latin America, and she has a vested background in asset management. We'll be talking about asset management practices and techniques. I would like to welcome our guest, Pilar Valderrama. She is the Asset Management Technology Manager for Stork Fluor in Latin America. Pilar is a Change Management Specialist with Project Management uh, Diploma from Cal Berkeley and a Bachelor of Business Administration from University of Arkansas in Little Rock. Pilar, how about giving us a little background of yourself? Hello, Larry. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It is a pleasure to join you on this podcast. And well, what else can I add to that introduction? Well, I've been working in asset management for just over 15 years. And I've been lucky enough to, you know, work in different type of industries and have my share of mixing a little bit of pleasure and business traveling around Latin America and uh, Australia. I got to go to Australia to a few jobs for a few clients. So, uh, well, I guess that's it. Thank you, Larry, again. No problem. Thank you for joining us again. So, Pilar, different parts of the world are of various maturities when it comes to understanding and implementing of asset management. So what can you share with us about where Latin America is with its understanding and, you know, how's the region embracing the ISO 55000 standards? Well, Larry, if you look at the number of certifications, then ISO 55000 is still in infancy in Latin America. I guess right now only the companies that are required by law or by any regulation on their countries or the governments are getting certified or are aiming to get certified. However, a lot of the industry are looking for the assessment because even though they are not looking to get certified, they see the the principles of the ISO 55000 as a good guide. However, I think, you know, ISO 55000 has a lot of potential to increase income and efficiency of a company and we should work a little bit harder on it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm seeing that as well across, you know, America and some other parts of the world. I think what I've seen is we've we've went through this ISO 9000 stuff back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and for some reason people are fearing moving to other ISO standards. I mean, there's there's 14,000, 31,000. I mean, there's all kinds of ISO standards, and you know, it doesn't tell you what to do. It it, it gives you a little bit of the background and, and what you should potentially be looking at and how to administer some of these standards. So, uh, you know, we're seeing that as well from our side. So what do you think in accordance with the ISO 55000 or, in fact, best practices uh, on the Strategic Asset Management Plan? It's called SAMP when we, we start looking at the asset management structure. So in, in SAMP, it's a it's really documented information that specifies a, a few things. One of those things are how organizational objectives uh, are to be converted into asset management objectives. In any initiative, it's important that uh, the program is aligned with organizational objectives and that there's a business case to support it. 
what would we expect to see in a business case or what are you seeing in a business case that that supports this uh, strategic asset management plan well i guess as you as you mentioned a little bit before the companies have invested so much implementing an ISO standards that sometimes they see this as a big effort but don't see the benefit right away so it's a little bit scary i guess but implementing the ISO 55000 is an investment and you need to think that the asset actually and how the ISO see the 55000 sees the asset is thus the spinal cord of your production your product your income so Actually, if you think about it, if you want more income and increased efficiency, then you better take good care of your assets. And you should be transforming everything in the organization to support the assets. And that's the invitation of this standard, you know, to look at the company supporting that spinal cord that is your asset to be better and get, and give you more efficiency. So I guess there is a misperception still that, you know, we think the 55,000 is just about maintenance. I guess we are still in that development or understanding what the maintenance evolution has been. So right now, if we see the 55,000, if, if you have implemented the 9,000, the 14,000, everything works in your favor to actually work on the 55,000. So I guess we just need to comply that and and if you see the definition of the 55000 you know it's, it's it's pretty simple it's the coordination of activities to improve your asset performance so uh, it is it's simple but to actually get all the company coordinated to support the spinal cord of course it's a challenge but it's a world challenge for your company right and and you bring up a really good point in there when, when you're talking about the misperception that it's just about maintenance it's more than maintenance it's it's organizational it's it's mm-hmm. within the organization and it's actually corporate if you look at from a corporate perspective uh when you're looking through you know not only the iso 55000 or or 9000 these are corporate initiatives that uh involve the people of the organization and, and people within the organization is either what makes it happen or not make it happen. And it's about having these processes and procedures and systems and, and people all aligned. And we, we find this quite often that, you know, there's a lot of finger pointing going on. So just just kind of a, a off the record question, how do we get over the finger pointing and start aligning it from a corporate perspective? Oh gosh, <laughs> that's, that's, I guess that's, that's, the, that's the best challenge that you have actually, because you know we we've seen that, and this is from the history of companies, I guess everywhere. I've seen it in Australia, I've seen it in different countries here in Latin America, even in in Europe. I I haven't actually worked projects in Europe, but you know since we historic um, are based in in Holland, so I had the chance to go and visit some projects over there. And I guess it's the same thing. That finger pointing is a really strong thing to break. I guess that that has to do a lot of the cultural change that you have to work. And I guess this is something that we have heard forever, you know, since Edward Deming, I guess. You know, where where he, I remember one, one of his book where he mentions how, you know, management and the board of the company has to be in sync and convinced of what they are going to do. And even if it sounds repetitive and cliche and all you think, I guess that's the clue, you know. Once 
the directives of the company are convinced that this is the way and the journey they want to get into. So you need them to work and um, be able to lower down the initiatives and the goals and actually have the understanding, as you, as we were been talking about, that the eyes of 55,000 is about the company. It's not about the, the maintenance, because that when we think about assets, everybody goes related to maintenance. But of course, you need to take care of risk. You need to take care of quality, documentation. And the human resources that you need to actually maintain and operate the asset. So it's more than just the machine itself. So once the, the management has that in their mind, I guess that will be a little bit easier to break the walls between areas and the competitiveness between people. Yeah. You know, it's really bringing that change management piece all together into the organization and understanding what the power of change management is to, to get everyone aligned. So let me ask you this. If a company wants to move towards an asset management program, but don't want to implement 55,000, what would you recommend to them and where would you think they should start? Well, I guess even if they want to implement or not, the, the road, the beginning road is the same. And I will recommend the asset, the assessment, of, of course, based on the requirements of the ISO 55000. The assessment is really a powerful tool because it will give you a view of all that, you know, weakness that you have, you know, that walls you have between areas and all that stuff. More than actually the technical part is, is it will give you tools to understand your culture and to understand all that change management that you need to implement? How are people looking into these new views or the new ideas? It will give you a, a baseline to where you stand. Then once you understand that and you understand where you are, I guess you can design where you want to go. Because maybe you don't need or you don't want to get certified. It's a lot of work. I'm not going to say it's not. But you may start with small steps and getting Things work out bit by bit with long-term, mid-term, or short-term plans. But at the end of the day, most companies are why we have businesses because we want to produce more, be more efficient. And so I guess that's the goal you need to aim to. So you need to understand where you are and where you want to go. Right. Good point. And, and with the assessment, I'm sure that uh, Stork Fleur has some opportunity where you could come in and, and help folks with understanding where they're at. And it's not just about 55,000. It's just about asset management in general. And as well, you know, Nexus Global, we have an online uh, assessment that people could sign up for for no charge and get some feedback. So there's there's lots of avenues out there where people can and organizations can do a quick assessment of, as to where they're at and not necessarily engage in the whole 55,000 piece of it. So yeah, it's, there's tools out there. Yeah. So in, in this age of industry, uh, you know, as as we start to reference uh, 4.0, you know, industry 4.0, we hear talk about technology and the artificial intelligence, uh, AI in the world of uh, digitalization, and, you know, the Internet of Things. You know, these are just a few of the buzzwords that are out there. In a brief summary, or you know, take however long you want, because this is not an easy subject. <laughs> can you explain Industry 4.0 to our clients and, and some of the potential clients and listeners out there? Well, 
industry 4.0, you know, and, and if you've seen all this with the crisis, I guess, is, is telling us how it, it, it is here. It's, it's something that we cannot avoid anymore. And I guess one of the important parts of it is the data, data sources, the management, and actually to be able to do something with all that data that you have in your company. You know, I usually think about marketing to use an analogy because I think marketing has done magic with this 4.0 and that analytics because, you know, our behavior as buyers is very well studied. We leave traces of our behavior all over the web and they use it. You know, it's not like they, they waste it. When you go buy something, it is actually traced there. And, you know, every time you go open a website, even if you are reading something else, maybe there is a pop-up or something that you were looking for before, a week before. I was in a conference a few weeks ago and I heard this guy, Mike Walsh, he's a futurist, and he talked about how in the near future, you don't actually need to go online. You don't even need to go to your phone or to your computer to buy something. You know, your purchasing behavior is so well understood that a drone will just knock on your door with the product you were thinking to buy that morning. So why can't we, we, we should be able to do that with our assets. We need to manage the information so well and understand their behavior so well that we can comfortably plan, schedule, execute maintenance before the asset actually fails. So it will be much more cost effective, you know, applying emergency repairs. It will minimize our downtime. You know, you can continue producing and generating more revenues and more income. But I guess the key here is that you will need to be you know, be able to get a good use from all the data you have because actually assets are giving you information all the time. The planning and the scheduling process is giving you information all the time. Are we recording that information in the right way? Are we doing something with that information? You know, is our CMMS or our PM module in any system you may have well set up that you can have? all the information I actually think and take the time to analyze it and do something with that data. So I guess the challenge for like in Latin America, what we see is that the first step is actually to have good guiding tools, you know, that actually guide data in the right way so we can actually do something with it. We are a little bit behind on that. We need to, a lot of, you know, the challenge is to actually gather the data in an integral database that can help us to actually graph and be more graphical and be descriptive and actually go, of course, to predictive and prescriptive in the future. That's, that's a really good summary. And, and you know, you talk about Mike, Mike Walsh as the, the futurist. Well, I'm, I'm hoping someday that I don't get drones delivering to me what I'm thinking about because, boy, I would have, I'd have to build a, a huge building to store all these things. And, and unfortunately, they'd be pretty expensive toys, too. So let's hope we keep the, uh, the futurist stuff with artificial intelligence within machinery. And, and you know, I, I prefer not to get all these toys in my yard at this moment. But anyway, that could be fun. It could be a good time. Yeah, but that would be scary a little bit too. But but it's I mean it's something that you see. I mean when when you go to yeah. uh, to to websites to buy and just buy a book, and then you know everything you will see next time you go is books related to that topic. So they know us. They know yeah. what we do. 
Uh, exactly. Here's here's the suggested things we want to sell you today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Good stuff. So I, as we wrap up this in, this segment of APM on air, uh, are there any other asset management insights you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, yeah, I guess. Um, well, you know, we are in this crisis or COVID nineteen is taking us out of our comfort zones everywhere, and this is this is really amazing how we at the world are finally sharing something together and and of course we tend to keep doing things the same way except you know we are trying to get some social distance or physical distance some countries talk about two meters some countries talk about 1.5 meter distance but we still need to get to the asset and do something so at the company historic we are trying to look at it differently, you know, how to avoid actually having people outside at all, how we apply those, all those data sensors and data analytics tools that we can have access to, to reduce the number outside. Because, you know, you are, you are going to be able to be doing just what is absolutely necessary. So you will be avoiding also emergency shutdowns, which typically involve a lot of people inefficiently trying to get to a facility and get the facility up and running again. So it's messy, it's expensive. And right now, having a lot of people in the site is risky. So in many ways, for Industry 4.0 is, is just the, the tool or the suitable way to help deal with COVID at the site. Another related concept we are trying to introduce at Historic is what we call the Formula 1 pit stop turnaround. Why is it possible that Formula One pit stop only takes two seconds? Well, it's because they, they just do what they absolutely need to do. They don't start cleaning, exhausting, or, or adding some paint or do some oil cleaning to the car. No, they change tires and maybe trim a spoiler, but that's it. The, the car is running back again in the race. So that's what you need to do. You need to be able to just put your car back in the race as soon as, poly- as possible because you want to win the race. Translated to an industry, well, we are constantly looking for techniques to take a scope of turn out of turnarounds. This could be just either because, you know, the, the data and the data analytics and the predictive and prescriptive is telling us that it's not necessary to do something in, as part of the turnaround or just because the scope is smaller and in the small pieces that we can put it into uh, day-to-day maintenance outside of the turnarounds and make it a little bit more more efficient. Yeah, those are all really good points. And I think as we look at where we're headed with you know asset management in general, the, the terminology that we're starting to see more and more is prescriptive, right? So uh-huh. let's not do all of these things that we used to do and you know in, in the past they were a necessary evil let's make it a necessary thing and and make it prescriptive and i think that's the direction a lot of the organizations are are headed now and especially in this this covid era when we have to do the right things for the right reasons at the right time so it's it's all prescriptive and it, it's meaningful and that's where we need to take the whole industry as a whole is is doing the meaningful prescriptive things and that, that was a really good summary and I like the pit stop analogy very 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 nicely put. So uh, Pilar, thank you. I, I really appreciate you joining us here on our podcast today. 
and your sharing of your wisdom across the Latin America and some of your experiences in Australia and other places are great. If any of our listeners uh, wanted to get in touch with you, how can they go about doing that? Well, Larry, first, first of all, thank you. Thank you again for having me. I enjoyed this conversation very much. I, 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 I really had a good time, and I think these are very interesting topics, and we could spend hours talking about this. But, well, if you want to reach me, my email is pilar.valderrama at store.com. I know it's a little bit long last name, and <laughs> but you can reach me and look for me in LinkedIn. So if you just want to have any questions, and have a conversation, of course, I will be really happy to to be there for you guys. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, Pilar. I really appreciate your time. If you have anything going on in Latin America or any podcast down there, let me know, and I'd be happy to join you as well in, in Latin America on, on some of your shows. I can't speak Spanish, but I can sure speak English. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. so if yeah, anyone wishes... Yeah, absolutely. If anybody wishes to obtain more information about Nexus Global or our solutions, you can visit us on our website at www.nexusglobal.com or you can send an inquiry to info at nexusglobal.com. We encourage you to follow us as thought leaders on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Again, thank you for joining APM On Air and wish everyone a productive and safe day. 